to Four Color Nerds Comic Book Reviews. This is episode 98. I'm Ryan, and I'm joined by some other nerds, Christina. Hello. And Matt. Hello. Chris has teamed up with Novacore Guardian Scott Lang and shrunk down to subatomic size to battle an alien strep throat virus. So she can't be here this week. Get better. The weekly barrage of comics and comic-related news can be scary, so we're here to let you know what to check out and what to avoid. We read a variety of comics and gather here to discuss them, as well as anything else that's popped up in the world of comics. There's a chance of spoilers, so if you're worried about them, take a break now and go read your pull list and then come on back. This week, we'll be reviewing The Doomsday Clock, number one. The Demon, Hell is Earth, number one. Imaginary Fiends, number one. Detective Comics, number 969. The Hellblazer, number 16. Rat Queens, number six. And Invincible Iron Man, number 594. And on Pass or Complain on the Internet, we've got The Commandy Challenge, number 11, Silver Sable in the Wild Pack, number 35, and Void Trip, number one. Stop the presses! This just in. News from the bullpen. Not a lot of news this week. <laughs> we had Thanksgiving. There was more, more stuff in the merch. So this week you're getting some Disney news, because Disney owns your childhood. Because, yeah. You have 18 days before The Last Jedi comes out. If you don't have your tickets now, you're probably not going and seeing it first day because I know ours are all sold out. You have already better bought your tickets or you're going in a week from now. There was one Disney announcement this week that I thought was very, very cool, and I hope everyone is excited about this as well. Uh, Black Panther is going to be your next big Disney movie that's coming out, and that comes out on February 16th. We're actually going to have a meet and greet with the King of Wakanda himself. I thought that was really cool. We don't always get to do meet and greets with all the Marvel characters. I hope they have a big showing for it. I want to see his other queens, the uh, Dora Maje. I hope they come out with them because I think that would be really cool. Um, also, you know, if you're like me, you probably didn't see the Justice League this week. I instead saw Coco and bawled my fucking eyes out. So there's your news, folks. <laughs> oh, you're right. Why Coco is win over Justice League. Uh-huh. The fuck? You should watch Justice League and bawl your eyes out. I don't think you're going to bawl your eyes out in Justice League. Justice League is fine, but, I mean, you can't go wrong with Pixar movies that are designed to make you cry. So. Yep. Oh, this was worse than Up. Whoa. Yup. Wow. Yup. <laughs> <laughs> All right. W- warning, I guess. Oh, fuck. Big, bring the tissues. My husband was like, it's so dusty in this theater. <laughs> Thank God we were sitting in the back in the dark corner. <laughs> you smack him in the chest. You're like, wuss. <laughs> oh no, there was no, there was no keeping tears in. It was very, it, it is, I swear to God, they fucking go for the jugular every goddamn time. Is it like that episode of Glee where they did the memorial for Finn? Oh, it's, it's worse than that. It pulls on all of your heartstrings of... I couldn't give a shit about up, but yeah, no, this, oh. this one is, I mean, it deals with, it deals with a lot about family and I haven't seen it and losing family and getting them back. And there's, oh, this one's a little darker than some of the other ones. Uh, I would think the dark, one of the more darker ones is the, um, uh, what's the one where she's got her emotions in her head? Uh, inside out. Yeah. There's some darkness in inside out. This one gets a little darker than that. Well, did they bleed? Uh, in a way, yes. Emotionally. <laughs> there's some death. Dealing with death, obviously, because it's Day of the Dead, but yeah. All right. Thanks for the Disney news. <laughs> <laughs> Suck it, I'm a Disney fan. Sorry. There's Disney nerds. There's tons of them. It's true. We Roman packs. <laughs> Colorful packs that yes. won't allow copyrights to edit. <laughs> uh, not so colorful, Nightmare for Christmas. All right. <laughs> so every episode, one of us picks their favorite book, and that's our pick of the week. This week, I Am That Nerd, and my pick goes to The Doomsday Clock Number 1. Our companion song is Black Hole Sun by Soundgarden, because I think it's a fitting apocalypse-type uh, song, and this Doomsday Clock is very much about waiting for the apocalypse to come as everything falls apart and... I really like the song, so let's take a listen. Black hole sun. 
I, I actually, I, I kind of have to agree with the song. The original Watchmen was a whole, like, very 80s, but this one has moved time kind of into the early 90s, and the just sense of despair that permeates the entire fucking book just makes sense with the whole concept of, you know, the sun turning into a black hole. And it's, it's just a good fucking song. It's a fantastic fucking <laughs> song. Also, rest in peace, Chris Quinn. All right, so the Doomsday Clock number one from DC Comics. It's written by Jeff Johns, pencils and inks by Gary Frank, colors by Brad Anderson. I met a traveler from an antique land, said, Two vast and trunkless legs of stone stand in the desert. Near them on the sand, half-sunk a shattered visage lies, whose frown and wrinkled lips and sneer of cold command tell that its sculptor well those passions read, which yet survive stamped on these lifeless things. The hand that mocked them, and the heart that fed, and on the pedestal these words appear. My name is Ozymandias, king of kings. Look on my works, ye mighty in despair. Nothing besides remains. Round the decay of that lifeless wreck, boundless and bare, and lone and level stand stretched far away. So I thought I would open up my review with Ozymandias by Shelley because the Doomsday Clock also looks back to a classic pillar of comics, Alan Moore's Watchmen. Watchmen stands among the absolute greatest works of literature and art that comics has to offer us. So when you dare to use Watchmen, you're setting a bar that's almost impossibly high for you to clear. In this attempt, we concentrate on the new Rorschach, or possibly the old Rorschach, or maybe he transcends any one form, and it all depends on how you look at it. Kind of confusing. He's been dispatched to gather up two master criminals, the marionette and the mime, as the end of the world looms with the doomsday clock ticking ever closer to destruction, as we see the EU collapsing, Russia moving into Poland, the U.S. declaring martial law and ceasing control of news agencies. North Korea has nuclear weapons that can reach the middle of the U.S. So things aren't looking too good here. After a tense standoff inside the prison, the three travel to meet Rorschach's partner, Ozymandias. Ozymandias makes direct reference to the Shelley poem, so I thought it was appropriate to reference it as well. And that all plans and achievements eventually collapse into the sands of time, even his masterwork. Determined to follow Dr. Manhattan to whatever reality he's escaped to before the doomsday clock tolls, he has a plan to enter the main DC continuity. The issue ends back in the DC universe, where we get a flashback to Clark having a nightmare, the first one he's ever had, as the Watchmen approach this reality. So, the first thing I really wanted to comment on this was the art on this. I think the art really nails the tone and feel of the Watchmen. I really liked it. I feel like the panels are very detailed. Like, that's one of the great things about reading Watchmen, is you can look at little details in the corners of these of the panels of Watchmen and extrapolate all kinds of meaning and subplots from them. And I feel like the art here is pretty good in that regard as well. Uh, the other thing that I really liked about this is they introduced two new characters. Uh, they introduced the marionette and the mime. And I thought they were fantastic. I really liked the mime. I thought he added kind of an interesting take on it. Like when he goes to gather, like he won't leave the prison until he gathers up his weapons. So they go to his locker and open it up and it's empty. And he starts taking out all the like invisible, like make-believe weapons and putting them on himself. I thought that was fantastic. I thought that was a great little bit of character design. I also really liked the tone of this. You get a lot of kind of Rorschach's like dark ruminations and journal entries in here that I think really drive it home. Ozymandias feels 
like the mastermind that he is. I really enjoyed this one. I think that they reached for something and I think they came pretty damn close to it. What'd you guys think of it? I agree with the, it It did have the tone of the Watchmen. I was super concerned that we were going to get DC dicks everywhere, but it, it, it had a really good tone and I, Rorschach was great. I thought he was very, very well written. Very happy with that. Good character. I felt that they captured the feel of the original book super well. Uh, I like that Mime and Marionette are basically a Watchmen verse Joker and Harley Quinn, and I thought they pulled it off super freaking well. The history of the Watchmen is that it was basically Alan Moore wanted to write this kind of last story or dark deconstruction of the DC heroes, but DC wouldn't let him because this was kind of in the middle of the 80s and everything was supposed to be bright and all that and it was so dark so he took these i think they're the charlton characters and he made them into the watchmen so like Rorschach is the question and night owl is blue beetle and and so on and so forth you know dc then took those characters and brought them in but they were like lesser known characters so this is a little bit different i mean it, it has some changes from the end of the watchmen but they're good changes and they worked out and it literally feels like a sequel to the watchman but a good sequel like an empire strikes back good sequel not <laughs> like a i don't know a shitty sequel like every other sequel <laughs> <laughs> I, I think they did a really good job, too. We're talking about the tone of Watchmen. And if this book is dark and bleak, uh, they also don't shy away from the political commentary, which is one of the things that Watchmen oh. does as well. Uh, as they really trump it up in this one, which seems like <laughs> in, in comics. I read all the news, the news lines. I read those out to my husband and I asked him what he thought I was reading. <laughs> yeah. He's like... Huh. Like, in, maybe? Yep. <laughs> I think it's quote unquote nineteen ninety-two. Yeah. And it's Ronald Reagan is the president. <laughs> I don't think Reagan is the president in this No, one. I don't remember. Did who he finally is, die? Not... No, there was a random no, no, name. was a random Nixon, name. There's somebody else. I don't remember who. I thought Oh no, I'm thinking of Dark Knight. That's right. Ronald Reagan's the president still in Dark Knight, but in Watchmen it was more, 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 more Nixon. Yeah. So I mean I think this one really does a pretty good job. I really did enjoy the addition of the new characters. Mm-hmm. I think it still held up the original feeling and legacy of Watchmen. I don't know if you guys remember before Watchmen that DC did. I, I read them all. Yeah, I think DC was testing the waters with that to see really if they could kind of get away with using the Watchmen, if people would have a big objection to it. And that one had some mixed reception. I think this one, though, really to me is a worthy successor this feels really good i really am intrigued by what's going to happen here i want to see how this story plays out i don't know what's going to happen and i'm very i'm like fascinated by every page that i read so i really like it there's a newspaper in the back a couple pages oh those are fun those are great like really the the details of watchmen are what make it so you really want to read those pages you do uh and not just like read the news articles on those pages but Look at all the little details. Yeah. Like, they show original Rorschach's name mm-hmm. in here. Yeah, They've well, got just all these little Easter eggs from the original Watchmen. Uh, it's just, it's fantastic. The Schrodinger's clock and watch repair, I like that. Yep, the the clock, um, Morning Joe's, I think is the cafe that, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just, it, it's a work of, of love. Like, Gary Frank, he's not doing, he's just, he's drawing like Gary Frank draws. But it comes out feeling like Dave Gibbons' art from the original Watchmen. 
it's a really good homage to the original Watchmen. Yeah, it's just I cannot wait for the rest of this, and it's twelve issues long, just like the original. Yes, and, that's and good. It's just oh, it's so exciting. I'm really happy about this. I think I will give it four and a half. Do not believe their lies. I'm going to give it a four and a quarter. Don't point imaginary guns at me. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> that was fantastic. Oh, that's such a great character. Yeah, I love, love, love. And hey, no blue penis. Had to bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> you'll get you'll get all your blue penis. You I know. Handle. I know. Yeah, that's that's got to be coming up there. They've been <laughs> they've been hinting at that for like I don't know three four years now. Oh, all the blue penis. All of it. Every single bit. Uh... When we get to that, if we get to that issue. And it picked as our number one, Too Many Dicks on the Dance Floor is already calling the song. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> so I'm going to give it four and three quarters. Hush, he doesn't like people talking during his act. <laughs> so good. Yeah. All right, let's go to hell. We're going to hell. The demon hell is earth, number one. DC Comics, part one. Etrigan Returns. Written by Andrew Constant. Pencils by Brad Walker. Inks by Andrew Hennessy, colors by Chris Sotomayor. Sotomayor. Okay. Like the Supreme Court Justice. Yep. Okay, yeah, that helps me. Uh, <laughs> Ryan and I knew it. <laughs> I have her book. She's amazing. Oh, is she the one that, that Obama put on there? I don't know. It's all just a big conspiracy and a shithole of anyways, so <laughs> I generally look at the government with disdain and nothing else. It's just a all fun right. name. I mean, yes, the name is fine. It, the government sucks. So <laughs> Time to rhyme, go. sir. Yes, Do it is. It. That's <laughs> a new adventure awaits, opening with Jason Blood, whom Etrigan hates. A brief talk, then we take a walk. Over to the other member of Jason and Etrigan's retinue, Madame Xanadu. She's accosted by Hicks, who then allow us to see one of the Madame's tricks. We see a family going for a drive. Not for long will most of them be alive. Then someone has launched a nuke at our hero, with Jason at ground zero. We then see from where the missile did fly, a general who worshipped evil on the sly. A surviving child chased by her former family, now demons run wild. And a dark hero with fiery puke, the monsters he does rebuke. Etrigan is now made host to Jason Blood's ghost. Rhyming is hard. (laughs) (laughs) Ta-da! Thank you for the rhyming review, Matt. <laughs> uh, so I find it funny that I did the rhyming review and Etrigan doesn't really rhyme anymore. He used to rhyme all the time, but he stopped because rhyming is apparently something that the lower demons do. And he feels that because Lucifer doesn't rhyme, he doesn't have to rhyme. It's beneath him. It's, yes, it's beneath him. <laughs> beneath him. So, this is a return. I haven't seen Etrigan in a very long time, and I'm saying Etrigan because the rhyme that calls him forth has man rhyme with with Etrigan. And and I'm, I'm going to take this, since we're talking about rhyming, to go back to the Ozymandias. So, do you think that stone was supposed to be stown, or frown was supposed to be frown? Oh. Because those are the rhyming pair, and they don't fucking rhyme. <laughs> <laughs> fucking Shelly. Anyway... <laughs> He was a drunk asshole anyway, whatever. See, I'm, I made all mine rhyme. No. So, um, I'm sure it's invitations I, to the orgies rhyme. So yes. Yeah, yeah. Pretty much. So I thought the book was pretty good. The only bits about it, I, I thought the art was a little heavy and didn't really kind of super fit with Etrigan, but I didn't mind it so much. It was just kind of a little not Etrigan, but weird. Like, yeah. Etrigan's weird. 
right? I just felt yes. this could have been a little bit more Vertigo art, and it ended up being a little bit more DC. I don't want to put resources towards this art. <laughs> it wasn't yeah. bad. It wasn't it, bad. It, it was. I mean, it was dark. I thought it. But yeah, I could. See, I see what you mean by the. It's a little DC light. Yeah. So, what did you guys think? Uh, I the Madam Xanadu after that part, I was fucking singing Xanadu the whole fucking. <laughs> <laughs> I did too. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, fuck. <laughs> I have that on tape. Uh, I got forced by my husband to watch that movie. He's like, oh, you've never seen it? Guess what? Roller skating, bitches. <laughs> Man. Uh, so good. It was all right. I, you know, it's okay. I'm not familiar with the character. Um, I wasn't really super interested in it. The nuke was kind of fun. The hell nuke. I enjoyed the hell nuke. The hell nuke was fantastic. <laughs> that was pretty good. That The artwork for that was really good. I like this one a lot. I mean, it's not your it's not your daddy's Etrigan, you know, but it is really interesting. I like the scene where he's talking to, where he's drinking and talking to the mirror and then Etrigan reaches out and grabs the the bottle and starts drinking as well. Okay, I, I did like that. Cool. And he was drinking I, bourbon. I thought the little, the vision of the child like burning alive in front of him was pretty dark. <laughs> I thought that was pretty good, and uh, good. then when the when her family all became demons, that that was fantastic. That was pretty cool. I like when Madame Xanadu hits that dude in the face with her helicopter. With her helicopter, <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> with her helmet, it's the Michael Bay version. <laughs> yeah, when they're harassing her, and he's like, you know, come have a drink with me. And he grabs her by the arm, and she spins around and hits him with the motorcycle helmet. I like that a lot. I like when. When you see her, say that the like, cows, and, and then you cut away, oh! and then the next time you see her, there's a there's nuke going off in her face, <laughs> and they're all cows. I like when the cow shows up. That one cow has the "Make America Great" hat on. Still, yes. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. The no? nuke explosion is good. I like this kind of update to Etrigan. Uh, so I'm really interested to see where this goes. I think it's. An interesting, dark, weird little corner of the DC universe. But I think you're right. It's not quite as weird. I do miss the rhyming a little bit, but... I mean, having just had to do that fucking review <laughs> in a rhyme, I can't blame them because <laughs> it's not fucking easy. And if they had to do the entire book like that, oh my god. This is why Etrigan barely ever shows up in anything, is because the writer's like, I'm not fucking rhyming. <laughs> It should be a good challenge. I did also like the the switch that happens with Etrigan and Blood. I mean, I don't want to ruin the spoilery you know, stuff, but I thought that part was interesting as well. Overall, I was pretty happy with this. I was worried this was going to be like that, those horrible... Uh, like the Dead Man book? Like the Dead Man oh! book. I was worried it was going to be like that, but this one was actually pretty interesting. Alrighty. Um, so, you guys ready? Do it. Alrighty. I'm going to give it four and a quarter. Oh, I am free, free to go play. My exile from fun has been squashed today. And what glorious changes I shall find their source. But firstly, please help me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, child, of course. All right. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and give it, we'll give it three and a half. Group hug. <laughs> Fucking love that. That was the one panel. I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I will give it three and a half wrong direction, General. Alright. Alright, more nightmarish hellscapes. Yay! Yay! Uh, I have Imaginary Fiends, number one, Vertigo Comics, The Cat's Paw, part one, written by Tim Seeley, pencils and inks by Stephen Molnar, 
Colors by Quinton Winters. Bloody Mary. Bloody Mary. Bloody Mary. I'm just going to edit it out. No! <laughs> Biggie Candyman. Smalls. Candyman. Candyman. Biggie Smalls. Biggie Smalls. <laughs> Ever summon a demon with your friends? Because, yeah. So Melba Lee was uh, incarcerated in a juvenile detention center for her crime. She is tortured by her other inmates. She's just getting picked on. She doesn't want to take a shower. It's very stinky. She's trying to avoid the whole uh, dropping soap, which I guess apparently happens in a women's juvenile detention center as well. I have seen Orange is New Black, so yeah. She does seemingly have one friend in this whole place, and it's very strange because they don't exactly explain who she is. Her name is Alice, but what's weird is I have to assume that Alice is somebody who works there because she has a birthday cake and she's there to wish her a happy birthday, and she has a knife. So I'm fairly certain an inmate is not going to be given a knife, even if it's plastic. Yeah. So that was a little weird for me. I felt like she should have had a name badge. Small detail, whatever. She, you know, gives her a cake. She couldn't light the candle on fire. So she just has to imagine blowing out the candle, which I thought was kind of funny. And is told that that there's a visitor here to see her on her birthday. So she's taken to go see this visitor. And uh, her visitor, she was assuming that it would be a family member. But it's not. And the guy actually says, which I thought was a really freaking... I enjoyed the line very, very much, though. Uh... He said he's neither old or Asian. <laughs> so, sorry, I'm not, not a relative. He explains to her, he, like, he's going to give her a video to watch. And basically, it's a test. Um, he tells her that he doesn't believe that, you know, she's actually crazy, um, schizophrenic, evil. He, he doesn't believe that at all. He believes that there's something else. Um, she is watching the video and there is a creature. He kind of also tells her, you know, look in the background of the video. Um, and there's a creature that looks like kind of a sea monster. Um, it's named as Marshall Locke, a.k.a. General Flappy Fins. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah. That's- looks like the Loch Ness Monster with like a cowboy hat. And yeah. sheriff's badge on it. Yeah. yeah. I was like, that's cute. <laughs> uh, he explains to her that he is a special agent. For the FBI, also part of the IMP division, which I kind of like that. It kind of reminded me a little bit of like, you know, BPRD kind of division where they deal with the weird, the weird ass shit. Uh, He gives her a whole speech about, you know, there are more things in this world than heaven and hell, basically. Uh, And I have a deal for you to try to, you know, get you out of here because I believe that you have the ability to do what we need you to do. And we've lost a person in our division, in the division, who was able to see these creatures. So basically she's given a deal, you know, you'll get out of here. Uh, You won't have to go to the adult prison, which would be like the prison for murder, you know, for hard murder. Um, But there's, you know, kind of one other stipulation that there's another team member that has to join. And the team member is Polly Peachpit. So this is where it gets all fucking clean room. And more BPRD crazy bullshit. Uh, Polly is an imp that basically caused what why Melba is in the detention center. Uh, her and her friend basically summoned this demon imp, um, and she stabbed her friend. Uh, so that's that's essentially why she was incarcerated, thinking that pe- she was crazy. Well, I mean, she's seeing demons, so you can't you can't be all good and safe. But we meet this crazy Polly Peach bit. Basically, it looks like a spider fucked a mime. Does that sound accurate? <laughs> it's like a kabuki mask. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was my best. So I was like, that's fucked up. 
seemingly it's binded to her. Like it feels like her pain because she threatens to cut herself to get this thing away from her. She does take end up taking the deal and you know joins uh, the other FBI agent imp, imp agent on the team. And I love the part where she's you know introducing herself, and then there's the voice behind her of her crazy fucked up mime thing saying her name as well. And she's like, nobody, nobody heard that. <laughs> I liked that part a lot. So the story ends with a guy in a Winnebago cutting himself getting the blood and summoning another one of these creatures. Um, the creature is the, it's seemingly the enemy of Polly Peach Pit and the fun little, I will give a spoiler here. The person who was summoning it was the brother of the girl that was murdered. So I, I really enjoyed this. I feel for me that this fills the gap that cream room left. Um, I am very happy that it was not imaginary friends as what Ryan wrote last week. So I said imaginary <laughs> yeah. friends. I thought that I'm like, Oh, this is much more clever. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I'm very, very happy about that. Um, I enjoyed it. I like the artwork. Now that you tell me that that was the guy who did clean the colorist on clean room. I can see a lot of that. Um, I, I found it really fun. I am ready to see what other fucked up things they, that she finds and helps them find. What did you guys think about it? You want to go, Matt? I thought it was fucked up, man. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> yeah! Awesomely fucked up. Yeah! Seriously. I, I thought it was... Uh, I, I agree. It, it's not quite as... Deep as Clean Room, but yes. it's a good Vertigo book. Yeah! Um, it's freaky weird. Mm-hmm. It's almost image-like in feel, but like... Well, okay, so it's exactly what Vertigo should be. Yeah. It's pretty fucked up. Yep. It feels kind of like indie, but yeah, I, I know. I, I'm on the other side of town from the fucking airport. I know That's you're crazy. Over in you're not. No, no, there's another, there's another airport over here. It's like the small one. Uh, okay, so where was I? It feels nice and indie, but like indie with a good budget. Mm-hmm. So that's. Uh, that to me, that's what Vertigo should feel like. So it's nice to see Vertigo be coming back with some really fucked up shit. So I, I liked it. It's creepy in all the right places. Yeah, I like this one a lot too. I thought it does a good job of giving you a world that I feel is more fleshed out than we understand yet. Like I feel our oh, understanding yeah. matches the protagonist's understanding, which is very clean room, right? Like mm-hmm. the whole exactly. mythology of clean room got rolled out to us slowly little bits and pieces little breadcrumbs people (laughs) and these creatures are so interesting looking like the design on them is really good oh flappy fins (laughs) (laughs) i want to be general flappy fins probably not but (laughs) but uh you know polly uh peach pit and charlie choke cherry those are really interesting looking creatures i love the idea It, it feels a lot to me like, if you mixed fables with Clean Room, that this is kind of what you would get. Because these are mythological, well, like fairy tale creatures yes. that these children believe in and can see, and they kind of feed off of their their love and their fear. 
At least that's what Polly Peachpit uh, feeds off of. I'm yes. not sure what the other ones feed off. They explained it earlier in the Yeah, story. the agent explains it that that's what, exactly what these all do. So they go after Kit because they want somebody to love them pretty much forever. Until they die and then they fade away themselves. Yes. I do like, like you were talking about the BPRD angle with mm-hmm. the imp division. I thought that was really interesting. I also think it's interesting that the guy himself cannot see them. Yeah, I think that's going to be an interesting play throughout. But the he totally series. believes in it, and that's so crazy. How just think about it as from reality? How can you truly believe in something that you know isn't there? And I guess it can't hurt you, or can it? Well, I think it can manipulate other people to do their bidding. Like obviously, <laughs> I also feel their little glimpse of childhood feels pretty realistic to me. Mm-hmm. I think that the writer draws children who actually look like children, you know, of the age that they're supposed to be, which I thought was pretty good. The art in here is just, it's freaky in all the right places. This one was pretty darn good. I was super pleased with it because I was definitely worried. (laughs) This definitely feels like a Vertigo book. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome back, Vertigo. Yay! Thank you. I will give this four and a half knife kisses. I will give it four. Hold me like a beloved sister. Whisper to me like a trusted friend. Fear me more than death. Four and a quarter. I'll do anything, Melba, anything for my treat. Please, I'm so hungry. Just touch me like a fuzzy bear. <laughs> so fucking weird and creepy. It's so good. Oh. Yeah, oh. I, I, this one was really... I was so happy. I was so happy reading it. I think this is going to be a good, interesting one to see it play out. Yeah. I want to know more. That's when you know you've read something exactly. that's good, is you want to know more about the world. And I like her as a character. I like the, the main character. I actually like her. And I think she reminds me a lot of Clean Room. She seems kind of toasty. <laughs> toasty? Melba toast? Oh. You know the little brown toast yes. things you get in Chex Mix? Yeah. I'm not talking the main imp. I'm talking about the, the No, girl. I know. Melba's the girl. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ah, yeah, that na- that is a weird name. I know. It's toasty. <laughs> Well, I think Melba is it, well. Melba is also Peach, right? Yes, I'm Melba Peach. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought oh, at first. Yeah, yes. that makes a lot more sense than Toast. Well, that's why Polly Peach Pit probably. Sure. <laughs> I figured it was some sort of weird Asian like bedtime story to frighten your fucking children. Jesus Christ, they scare me. <laughs> Polly Peach Pit? No, she's like a nursery rhyme. So we like cool comics related stuff, and here's something we think you might like. All the things! Black Friday! Ah! Oh. Seriously though, the fucking sales this week? Jesus H. Christ. Oh. I, I literally spent probably two hours on, on Think Geek yesterday. There's uh, there's a freaking like track jacket that looks like Deadpool's top. There's uh, I shared it with the, the group chat. There's this Captain Marvel mug. There's so many fucking things that I want. There's all the things. Damn it. Just just waste your entire day on Think Geek. And you have Cyber Monday, too. Oh, yes, and you have Cyber Monday. It'll be over by the time any of you fucking hear this. So hopefully you spent your paycheck on Think Geek. <laughs> I uh, made an Excel sheet with everything I wanted and then with columns and rows for the different stores with their prices and then had it figured out where I was going to go and what I was going to do. Then I went over to Amazon and it was all the exact same price on Amazon because they matched everything. So, you know, I would definitely advise against going to a store on Black Friday. It's just, like, not worth it. Like, I ended up going to Target to get one thing that I needed. And the actual store wasn't that bad. But when I got there to check out, like, the line just, like, wove throughout the entire, like, went up the entire length of the store and then back down. And I was like, well, that's 
that's a lot, but it's Black Friday. What do I expect? Then I got in the line and it started like once you got closer, you could see they did like the thing where they weave the line through the aisle. So it's actually much longer than it looks. <laughs> so I just put my thing down, walked out and paid like $2 more on Amazon. You're like, I am not dealing with this shit. It's seriously not worth it with the medical costs too after you go through Black Friday morning sales. Oh, that is such bullshit, Matt. That is not the way Black Friday works at all. Uh, it is some places. I have gone to almost every Black Friday since I've been an adult, and I have never seen that. At, like, the 4 o'clock in the morning shit? Yes. I refuse. I will not. I've never gone to one because it looks stupid. Nope, I will not. You have some dumbass somewhere in the country, something goes wrong, and then they broadcast it. Middle America? I'm sure that shit fucking happens. Oh, I'm sure. Things used to be pretty intense on Black Friday because they wouldn't open the doors until a certain time, right? But now they just have the doors open all the time. Yeah, now Black Friday starts on Wednesday. Yeah, pretty much. But it really is not worth going to the store. Because all the, all the deals you can get online. You know, you don't even have to go to Amazon. If you really want to Target, just go to Target, you know, .com, and they will have all the deals that you could get in the store. Sure, go ahead, pay for shipping. I bought, one, I bought one thing that was a Black Friday deal, but not on Black Friday. I did get Injustice 2. So you can get that uh, Oh yes. expansion pack that you're talking oh, about? Yes. Oh, I feel yes. betrayed about that thing. <laughs> I, I like. I watched some clips and I was like, oh, okay, this is good. They've got the Superman and the Batman voices from the cartoons and shit. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And I watch more videos and Superman goes back to being bad. I'm like, oh, fuck you people. All right, so I guess the big news is do it all online. Check out ThinkGeek for the unusual stuff that you can't get in the stores. Unusual or the stuff that we actually want that we can't get in stores. There's some really cool shit on there. Like, seriously, I can't even. We'll be talking about this for an hour if I started talking about everything I wanted. Oh, on yeah. Think Geek. It's just, there's too much shit. I pin my stuff from Think Geek onto my Amazon wish list. Nice. Yeah. You just, uh, there's a, there's a little ad, like, little add on that you can get for your Chrome browser and you can link anything from any page to your Amazon wish list. Do you hear that, fans? She has an Amazon wish list. Nice. You can go buy stuff on. Yeah, it's private, so sorry. <laughs> make it public and then have people go buy stuff for no. you. But no, no. I'd wind up with Gwyneth Paltrow's head in a box. <laughs> What's in the box? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. I want to take us back to the world of comics, DC Comics in particular, for Detective Comics number 969 from DC Comics, Fall of the Batman Part 1, written by James Tinney in the fourth, pencils by Joe Bennett, inks by Sal Begla, Colors by Jason Wright. So, for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. As Batman team grows more powerful and able to stop crime in Gotham, various forces rise up against them. The mayor fears that they're becoming a law unto themselves. The criminals see their profit and empires being wiped out. Stephanie is broken and lost since the supposed death of Tim Drake, Red Robin. Unaware that he is in fact alive and freed from the prison of his future bat self, she's being drawn into anarchy and the victim syndicate's circle. Meanwhile, the criminal groups are uniting to form their own army to take on the bat family, but they're foiled through Clayface's infiltration and trickery and bat punching. The heart and highlight of the book to me is the reunion of Stephanie and Tim, in a tear-filled but joyous meeting. However, Tim's not being honest with Stephanie about his plans to embrace the mantle of the bat and is warned by Batwoman that he is, in fact, being the bad one in the relationship with some, I felt, pretty good bat advice from your, you know, wise lesbian aunt. I thought that was <laughs> pretty good. I'm pretty sure that's what that's for, always. <laughs> <laughs> so I like, I mean, I am a big fan of Tim Drake. He's my favorite Robin. 
So I really enjoy stories that center on him. I like the dynamics of the Bat family. I really like Clayface in here. There was a scene with Clayface where he infiltrates kind of the the mob, and they don't really explain what's going on. Like, you have to know some things about how Clayface can use his powers now to understand what actually happened. So I thought that was maybe a little either... I don't know if that's the artist or the writer. Probably both that didn't quite make it as clear as they could have what happened. But overall, I actually enjoyed this one a lot. What did you guys think of it? I like it. Often, Detective is... It's an anthology book in some periods of time. So I think it's kind of good to have this book be the not focused on Batman book and have the Batman book be focused directly on Batman stories. So I think it works out well. This particular book, the only complaint I have about it is while they're writing Tim pretty well, like Tim, they they aged him up and he just doesn't look like I'm used to Tim Drake looking. And it's not, that's not a new thing. It just irks me every time I look at him. I think he's Dick Grayson in a different costume. So that that's my only complaint about the book is that it just, every time I look at him, it's distracting and it doesn't feel like Tim Drake. Yeah, I mean, they do make a point of his age because like when I first was introduced to him, he was like beginning high school, basically. Yeah. So he was much smaller, almost like Damien sized, you know, and now he is getting ready to go to college. So he's, you know, he's older and taller. So it makes sense. It's just distracting. So I was completely distracted by the artwork in this. I, there are some faces on here. I just, I was like, no. So I could not get through it. I don't know what it was, but there was just the way that some of the faces were drawn was so awkward. Like that one with it looks like the guy's face is melting and her smiley crying face is just like, nobody makes that face. You're talking about the victim syndicate? No, I'm talking about in the beginning where that guy that was in jail, like his face looks like it's melting. That's Clayface. But it looks, it just, I don't know, it looks even weirder. His face was melting. His face was melting. That's Clayface in there. But it looks awkward because then his face still isn't melting in the next panel. But he got scared and lost focus. Yes, he was startled and he lost his focus. But her face does not look right. The face about that where they hug and kiss right before that, her react, I don't know. If there was so, I, I could not get past the faces just in general. So I actually really like the panel where she sees Tim and they have kind of the close up on her face where she's crying and reacting. I actually really liked those. I especially like the panel at the end where they're, not the end, kind of, where they have that full page of them embracing. I like that one. That one is good. Bef- up to that point is where it just, I don't know why, but it pains me. I think it's a technically, and I don't mean technically, like, like technically, I mean like technical skill. I think that it's done well. It's just that sometimes when you draw it well, but not like photorealistic, it looks weird. Yes. Like this is what it's. it really would look like. Like you're drawing that particular picture, but it we, that's not what we want it to look like kind of thing. Like there's there's artistic steps that you should take and they don't because they're trying to make it look real. It's creepy out. I don't like it. <laughs> I really couldn't get past it at all. I was like, no, no. <laughs> Just no. Just no. Just no. Just no. I'm, I'm picky, bitch. I will give this three and a half. How about an army of our own? I will give it three and a half. I thought Grundy only spoke in that old rhyme. <laughs> I will give it two and three quarters. Oh, man, you sounded like a creeper just then, huh? <laughs> I like that. <laughs> More DC this week. We're heading over to the Hellblazer number 16, DC Comics, The Bardo Score, Part 1, Welcome to the Neighborhood. Written by Richard Cadre, pencils by David Fabri, inks by Jose Marzon Jr., Colors by Carrie Strachan. We meet up with John in San Francisco, where he's investigating a series of murders of a supernatural nature. Several past acquaintances slash 
quote-unquote friends of his have wound up dead with thank you written in blood on the walls beside them. John follows up on leads, but while doing so is accosted by several people who have invoked demonic visages into themselves. Not demons, but they're they're basically taking on the form and shape of a demon. Even they're so, cosplaying demons. They're basically <laughs> cosplaying demons, but they get the power of the demon. And one of them is even like the biggest, worst demon in Hindu mythology. So we, we see John's opinions and his comfort level with all the New Agers in San Francisco, as well as classic grumpiness. The only real complaint that I had about this book was the art. Doesn't feel right for a John Constantine book. It's really kind of cartoony and like kind of like the dude who did Jenny Finn, except not quite as bad. There's some really bad art in this book. And I think that John Constantine's never really had, I don't know, enough of a following, I guess, for people to give him a really great artwork. I mean, sometimes he does, but he doesn't have consistently good art. He'll have a great artist. And then I'll have a shit artist, and I think he's kind of on a shit artist right now. I really didn't like the art in this book. It just distracted too much. The writing is John Constantine, but the art is, yeah, I guess. So, what did you guys think? I think you're right that the writing in here feels like John Constantine. You know, it's very classic. He's meeting up with old friends who are getting murdered because of his, you know, kind of involvement. <laughs> That's a theme. Yeah, That's a, that is. It really is a theme in John Constantine's yeah. life. It's him meeting up with friends who are being murdered because of shit he did. He's gonna run out of friends at some point, right? I mean... I love that he hates hippies. I think that is so funny. <laughs> and New Agers. <laughs> yeah, I think that's pretty good. Hippies. It's San Francisco. They're hippies. I like, uh, I like the stuff with the Hindu mythology and the you know, the different uh, gods that are there. I think that's kind of cool. The art is, it's okay. It doesn't bother me that much, but it's not great. You know, like until you looked at it, I hadn't really thought one way or another. But as soon as you said something, I went back and looked and you're right. It's pretty, pretty subpar. The face, again, faces are look very inconsistent in some of them, especially for his expressions. Yeah, but it was, you know, it's Hellblazer. I mean, if you like, uh, if you like those books, I think you'll like this one. And if you don't, it's still pretty darn good. You might actually enjoy this one the story was good the story was was pretty solid yeah it's a good story i'm not gonna not read it because of the art i just wish that they would have gotten a better artist for it my only thing it's it's passively okay it's just this would be something i wouldn't put on john constantine it's just not the right art for him i could see that like the cover looks pretty good like that artist i think did okay yeah the cover artist was fantastic (laughs) yeah that was good just the interior not so much (laughs) yes it's like (laughs) the other 24 pages of the book no, not so much. All right, I'm going to give it three and a half upside down pentagram, 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 upside down pentagram. <laughs> when he swears. <laughs> yes. I will give it three. Namaste. <laughs> I love that. He's <laughs> <was> like, fuck. <laughs> uh, we get a three. Leave it to the cats to get in fisticuffs with love and incense twonks. All right, more fighting over on image. Fighting and adventuring. Adventure! Brat Queens, issue number six, Image Comics, written by Curtis J. Weeb, pencils and inks by Owen Ganey, colors by Sweeney Boo. I love me some Sweeney Boo. I am actually wearing my Rat Queen D20 shirt today. I'm wearing my Watchmen, who watches the Watchmen shirt. I'm wearing my Grey Jedi shirt. <laughs> nerds! 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 nerds. <laughs> So yeah, we uh, dress as nerds as well. All right, so our adventurers are drinking their breakfast. Betty comes in and lets them know of her, her friend Jason, where they were drinking and talking about going on their own random adventure. 
uh, a couple days ago, and he has not come back yet. She didn't wake up. Shocker. Uh, so she didn't make it, and so she's a little concerned about them. So they decide to go accept their quest that she has given them and are off to find him. So they venture through the forest. Uh, <laughs> one of my favorite parts of this is Hannah's floating fog cloud that is traveling her through and she's just kind of lounging in in her swimsuit as they're going through the forest that <laughs> was that part that <laughs> uh, was so great <laughs> she's like la 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 so they do eventually find some footsteps and through the forest so they're like okay this looks like you know it could be him we'll we'll follow these tracks and then the tracks lead into the sky um they are magical forest air stairs as Hannah uh, assigns them, which anything with Betty is crazy and weird, and it gets even fucking weirder. So, I don't know if anybody was a huge fan of Phoenix the Cat and Betty Boop. Yeah, I got that too. Yeah, I am. I grew up watching those when they're not really kid-appropriate, but this is seriously the fucked-up acid trip of Felix the Cat and Betty Boop land. This is hilarious drawn i love it i have to assume this is probably part of the sweeney boo part of this um uh but i fucking love it they are just the weirdest looking characters um they do actually find uh what they think is jason um down it's funny because they go up to a cloud and now they're going down following the little stairs down to jason uh betty in her cute little mushroom hat goes and hugs him um it's not jason it's like these fucking weird ass like demon weird vampire jasons the best part of this to me is so they have powers but their powers are all kind of weird and fucked up and cartoony weird uh braga's braga's there and her axe is like trying to escape and is having like some weird existential crisis and you know throw he's he can't He's like, I don't, I gotta get out of here. I gotta get out of here. Uh, the beard punch might be my favorite, Violet's beard punch, where she's punching at these weird ass uh, Jasons. Uh, the oh, for the love to the bearded slaughter might be the best line. I fully assume that that was probably one of Chris's parts as well. As she is my, uh, she is my Violet to my Hannah. We also have uh, Dee and her weird uh, tentacle powers. So they're they're fighting and killing all these weird, like, I don't know, demon, zombie, whatever, Jasons. And then, you know, we get the, uh, the boss, because, you know, we're on an adventure, so we now have to go beat the boss. Which is some fucked up rainbow frog thing where all these weird Jason things are, like, popping out and still attacking. So they have to, of course, you know, attack the boss. And... The, what is it? The battle axe of uh, Braga finally, like, <laughs> still dealing with his existential crisis, pops out of the tree that he is and just slices the fucking frog in half. <laughs> and out pops the astral Jason. And all is well again. Uh, Betty is such a crazy drug whore that she, of course, has to lick the. <laughs> <laughs> she. She has to lick the goddamn frog toad. And then she, uh, the art that they show Dee in is freaking awesome, where she looks like this kind of like almost like godlike creature. 
but that's what she sees. And I don't, I, she kind of, Betty passes out after that. So I would love to have seen actually what she saw of everybody. I hope there's some sort of outtake for that. But uh, they, you know, adventure off home. So there was an interesting little part in the beginning of the story where in the, when the bar, like their kind of bar maiden was almost pretending to be Violet. Like she was kind of dressed up and trying to act, you know, like Violet. She kind of seems to want to be an adventure and kind of join the party. Um, and they run into her again and she she really did want to, you know, you know, head out and do adventures and stuff like that. And they're like, ah, you don't want to do that. And she kind of gets disappointed. And she's like, oh, they don't think of me of anything. And then we get this weird scene where like this thing appears from behind her. And like, basically, it looks like she disappears. That was very strange. I don't kind of understand that. But then they get back to the bar and of course, drinking again, because you know, that's what they do. And that girl was the daughter of the, the bar owner and like doesn't remember that he has a daughter. So that was kind of weird. So I think this is kind of a, a lead into what their next arc is going to be. It was kind of weird and fucked up. I liked it. I'm not sure I entirely liked it. I, I think I liked the setup part of it, at least. What did you guys think about it? I liked this one. I thought this was a pretty good Rat Queens issue. I thought all the characters had their really strong moments. The part where I knew I loved this issue was when the art changes with the drug trip. Yeah. That, to me, I love when they do that when... It's always Betty, pretty much. <laughs> Whenever there's hallucinogens, that the art changes and things get real weird. I really like that. I liked Hannah's wavy magic arms. Like, she's one of those uh, things in front of, like, a used car lot. It's the wacky wave- waving arm guys? Yes. Yeah, that was pretty pretty funny. I That part was... I almost actually would have liked the whole book to be like that. That was kind of my favorite part of this. I don't think I could have handled the entire book like that. (laughs) (laughs) You don't like the wild drug acid trip? No, I like it. It just, I like it as a side thing in the middle of this book. But if it had like an entire book, I think it might have snapped my mind. (laughs) I just don't think I could have handled it. I also thought the thing with the, the girl who wants to be an adventurer and they're asking her questions about, like, what's better, you know, like a sword or magic and all that stuff. I thought that was really interesting part. And then I like how they looped it back, having introduced you to her and made you mm-hmm. like her. And then have her being taken away by that, whatever that thing whatever is. Whatever that dark figure is. And then it's, you know, really sad at the end where the barkeep is like, I don't have a daughter. Yeah. That's, that's heartbreaking. Like breaking. This is leading up to something. I have a feeling we may see her again. I think her name is Madeline. Um, I think we may see her again. I don't think she's actually disappeared, disappeared. I think whatever that is, is she's taken to some other dimension where that thing appeared from. That's my guess. Yeah, I'm wondering if it's going to cross over into the whole Orc Dave thing. Mm-hmm. Because he's worshipping the, basically, Cthulhu creature. I can't remember its name because it was so long ago. But it just... It, it, this is definitely a setup story, but yeah. unlike some other setup stories, this one was really good. And fun, especially with the uh, the frog it was just fun and completely in character yes i would love to see this actually animated (laughs) i would love some sounds like music and shit yeah yes i would love that some like like or even have it be a like a silent movie with just the music and have the bubbles pop up yes oh that would be so fucking fun all right i guess i'm gonna go ahead and read it because i gotta because i fucking love it and i'm gonna give it a four and a quarter to the bearded slaughter 
That was my favorite. The best kind of slaughter. Oh, so good. I'm going to also give it four and a quarter. I can stab your beautiful brain ten times before you <laughs> could summon a magical fuck for another 20 years anyway. <laughs> I will give it four. Ugh, maybe I'm a little bit too impulsive. <laughs> <laughs> Betty. <laughs> Betty is my so favorite. I love her so much. I I just love I love having the Rat Queens back. It's so good. Yeah. I miss Rat Queens and it's like it leaves a whole like clean room leaves and there's just yes. nothing that can fill it other than Rat Queens. I think there was another book that we tried and then Ryan hated it all to hell. Uh, and then I never brought it back up again. Oh, right now. the other image one. Chains and something or other. Oh. Scale and Scoundrels. Scale yes. and Scoundrels, yes. yes. I didn't hate it. It just wasn't Rat Queens. It's not Rat Queens. And when you want Rat Queens, nothing else is going to fill well, that need. Thinking of, speaking of that hole that's missing in the search for something, why don't we go over to Marvel? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, nice. Very good segue until I said good segue. <laughs> <laughs> Fix it in post. <laughs> no, I did that on purpose. <laughs> Fuck it all. Alrighty. So we're going to head over to Marvel with Invincible Iron Man number 594, The Search for Tony Stark, part two, written by the exiting Brian Michael Bendis, pencils by Stefano Caselli and Alex Maleev. Alex Maleev. Colors by Israel Silva and Alex Maleev. We continue on with the story of the missing body of Tony Stark, as well as the takeover of progress by the board of Stark Enterprises. Are they Stark Enterprises right now, or Stark International, or Stark Limited, or... I don't even remember anymore. Who seem to think that they own... Industries still. They're industries now? <laughs> yeah, they're industries. Okay. But in any event, they seem to think that they also own Ironheart as well as everything else. But after an attack by a hired mutant known as Hijack, Tony's mother shows some Rockstar credentials and S.H.I.E.L.D. credentials, I guess, while taking her rage back to the board. Uh, meanwhile, we see the hot water that Iron Doom is in with the group of villains he had put away are now broken out and trapping him and basically ripping off his mask. He escapes, but he gets no respect, I tells you. <laughs> And the villains, they all seem to be planning an attack on Latveria. Uh, we're, we're basically building up to Tony being back. There's a scene at the end of this where his mom's talking about, I think, Tony needing him. And then we flash over who they didn't specifically state was Tony, but we're all like, yeah, that's Tony. And But it, it immediately kicks over to the scene from the end of the last issue with him kind of curled up in the old Iron Man armor on the floor. Uh, so it's kind of building up i didn't think this is a super strong issue but i think it was a very competently done and good issue it's it's rock solid classic iron man what'd you guys think i thought it was i always enjoy seeing Ironheart kind of figuring out different ways to use her powers and kind of solve problems in different ways so i liked her and mary jane kind of teaming up to take on hijack i thought that was pretty cool i like the rock star like hippie shield agent mom a little more than i thought i would <laughs> i thought that was awesome she was pretty cool she punched uh, a dude in the face. <laughs> yeah, she's pretty badass. I love when she's detailing what, like, all the stuff on her guitar. Like, see this tooth here? <laughs> see that dent? I also like the criminals when they are going after Doom, their interactions with them. And they don't really make much of a point of it, but that's the wrecking crew that's trying to beat the shit out of him, and they're really powerful. Yeah, they're, <laughs> they're Thor-level villains. Yeah, so I like that. And I like how kind of petty and vicious they are. 
So I enjoyed that a lot. I thought this one was pretty good. I think it's an interesting way to get back to Tony. I thought it was fun. I agree. I like Ironheart. I like the character. There's a really cute thing in the back also about the girl who cosplays as, as a Ironheart and she built her own Iron Man helmet and how she built it. I thought that was really cute too. I think it's as neat to see it inspires kid. I was going to point that out too. That was great. Yeah. Not only does she look like Riri, she's doing the Riri stuff with, like, getting the... She's, like, modeling it out and then printing it out in... I don't yeah. know if it's Pepecure or if she's putting it out in, like, foam board or plastic or something and putting it together. And I'm like, well, that is literally Riri Williams. Exactly. Yeah. I was like, that's so freaking awesome. And she's, like, she's doing engineering. Like, that's what she actually wants to do. She's... I was like, this really cool. <laughs> I like characters that inspire kids. Talk about fourth wall breaks. I know. <laughs> well, I really like it, too, because they've done previous ones where they'll interview like female scientists and engineers as well. So you kind of see it going both ways. You see like the inspiration and those who are being inspired. If they don't usually look like the character. Well, and I like you're saying, not only does she look like Riri, she's she's doing the thing, you know? Yeah. And she's interested in what Riri was interested in as well. So it's it's pretty cool. I I it's all the stem. All the stem. I always say People should have someone in comics that they can identify with and look up to and look like. And here you have a direct example of why that's important to have that encouragement that, you know, the STEM fields, first of all, you're a woman, which there aren't very many of them. You're African-American. You know, these are fields that can keep you out. But having someone you can look to as a hero who did it, you know, can show you a path. That's important. I mean, as like a kind of chubby white dude i can look to any comic book i want and find myself in them like every superhero ever made is for me so i like that the new wave of marvel stuff is for other people i do too but still accessible to everyone else like i still love riri i think she's awesome i I remember the first book and i was like this is a cool character i want i hope she gets used the right way and so far i think i think it's i think they have i think marvel does younger characters better than dc does because it seems to me with like some of the DC characters, it's like, I'm just like the other <laughs> character, but younger, <laughs> you know? No, he- damn it. You have to take the young children and you, you, you throw them into following along with the other people and have their lives destroyed and their parents <laughs> killed. That's how you do it, god damn it. <laughs> True. From trauma comes heroes, you know? Yes. And, and then they'll get together with a, 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 another group of broken kids who, like, all had similar backgrounds, and then they're going to have even more screwed up lives who really should have had a TV show off long fucking time ago. <laughs> That's what you do, and, and, and you can see yourself Titans, and then and then, and then a creepy old like mercenary guy is gonna like mac on a thirteen year old girl, but, but then and then make her like betray you. Spoilers. How do you really feel about it, Matt? <laughs> All right, we ra- we rating this. All right, we ready to rate this thing up? Oh, I did want to point out too that they continue to do the two different uh, art styles in here when you're dealing with either Riri or Doom. I like that as well. It really helps separate the stories. That they are really in two different worlds here, but both carrying forth the legacy. So I like it. I like the doom is ambiguous, whether he's good or evil. I like that. He's neutral ish. <laughs> Ready to read it, Matt? I'm going to give it four. No, see this? That's Keith Moon's tooth. It's still wedged in there after all these years. See that dent? That's Paul Weller's arm. He was just going through my purse backstage at Band Aid. You are trying to steal my boy's entire world. Is she British? <laughs> She is now, apparently. I don't she think says so. Git. <laughs> On the following page, she uses Git, and uh, I don't know who Paul Weller is, but yeah, the freaking Keith Moon, British. I'm assuming she's British. <laughs> okay, she's British damn now. It. We're she's British now. We're agree. All in agreement. 
<laughs> God damn it. All right. I'm going to give it four. I thought he was all Deadpool-y in the face. <laughs> That's okay. I love that. Their interaction with uh, Doom was pretty fun. <laughs> the dialogue was good. I will give it four. Face it, Tiger. You got maced. <laughs> that was so good. It was fucking epic. That was so good. Oh, we're going to miss Bendis. Awesome. Uh, uh, so now for Pull Pass or Complained About It on the Internet, we have the Commandy Challenge number 11 from DC Comics. Enter the Misfit, written by Rob Williams. Pencils and inks by Walt Simonson. Colors by Laura Martin. I will pass on this Toilet. <laughs> what? Toilet. <laughs> Toilet. <laughs> That's I've gone. I've gone I'm past complain. Pass it and toilet. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to pass this entire fucking series <laughs> into the toilet with with your copy because uh, it's not even worth complaining about on the oh. internet. It's just like of all the Jack Kirby things. I fuck. know. Pass. Oh, Solid pass. The whole oh. we're gonna pass for Carissa and we're gonna uh, pull mom. Rory back from the dead and yep. he'll pass as well. He's not dead. <laughs> <laughs> so we also have Silver Sable and the Wild Pack, number thirty-six from Marvel Comics. Silver and Bold, written by Chris Faust, pencils by Paulo Seguaria and Jose Luis, inks by Cam Smith, Terry Pallet. And Paulo Seguaria. Colors by Rachel Rosenberg. I will pull this one. Nazi punching. I love it. I liked it too. I will also pull. It's a one shot, so we're never getting another one. So go ahead and pull it and never have to think about it again. <laughs> we might get another one if everybody writes in. True. Yeah, they specifically tell you to do that yeah. at the end. I, which is, I think what they're doing is whoever gets the most write-ins is going to get an ongoing series. They haven't said this, but uh, there's no other reason to have these in the back because there's no fucking way some of them are ever getting booked again. <laughs> uh, I will I'll pull this one. I liked it. It, it wasn't bad. It was good. It's and it had some really funny moments. Punching and kicking. I liked it. The shark biting the fucking leg. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so we have Void Trip number one from Image Comics written by Ryan O'Sullivan art by Plaid Klaus. Oh, pass. I do not do enough drugs or any drugs to make this passable. Good save. <laughs> So you'll complain about it on the internet? No, I'll pass. <laughs> All right. So I guess it is passable. N- pass. Uh, no. <laughs> no, I mean, you pat. Never mind. No. I- I'm also going to pass about it. I don't even care about this enough to complain about it on the internet. It's basically <laughs> Cheech and Chong and Jay and Silent Bob had a child and they drove a fucking semi truck, stole some gas. You can make drug trips interesting and fun. Like, just look at the Rat Queens issue. Yes. We loved how they did yes. that, and this is fucking terrible. So there's like. You know, there's like the truth about stoner stories, and then there's the fun stoner stories. This is not the latter. So for the upcoming week, we have Batman, Creature of the Night, number one, Mystic U, number one, Harley Quinn, Be Careful What You Wish For, number one, and then for Pull Pass Complain, we have Darkhawk, number 35. Oh, I do this part. So that was the world of comics for this week. You can find all kinds of nerd shenanigans, including our other podcasts on original streaming media, Cut the Cord, at ForklareNerds.com, or our Facebook page. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram, or on iTunes and Google Play Music. On Stitcher. On SoundCloud. And on Podcast Addict. Be sure to rate. Review. And subscribe. Be sure to come back next week for another episode. Until then, keep reading, nerds.